Welcome back to the In the Dugout podcast. My name is Jason Ward, aka Red Sox Dugout, alongside Joey Nagel and Will McNamara. How are we doing? Welcome back, Will. Good to be back. We have a. Uh, how you doing, Joey? Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> we're back in person for the first time in a while. We have a brand new studio set up here that you can see on our Instagram when I post some clips. But we're here to talk some Red Sox. Um, we're in a rain delay right now in the second game of the Marlins series at Fenway. But uh, we have plenty to talk about. Not not all great. The Red Sox are back at 500, the place they've been for most of the season. They're 40 and 40, and this is the definition of a 500 team. You look at every stat, and it's all just 500, 500. It's even across the board. They're at home, 21 and 19 on the road, 19 and 21. So little, not quite 500 there, but pretty much uh, five and five in the last 10, 10 and 10 in the last 20. Their run differential is only plus 12, pretty close to zero. Uh, in day games, they're 14 and 14. In night games, they're 26 and 26. This team is so in the middle, 500. It's unbelievable. It's just where they're going to stay. I mean, you see the Sox go on a huge streak, you know, six games like they did a couple weeks ago, and then everything falls right off the table. There's just, they go hot, and then they go cold. And then a few weeks later, guess what? They'll be back to hot. But you know what's going to happen next? They'll go cold. Yeah, and last week when we did a pod coming off of six straight wins, me and you, we didn't get we didn't get too excited about we knew it because we coming. knew what was coming. And well, I mean, this past week was a little different. You know, the injury started to show. You could see it coming from a mile away. They just the bats tend to make up for it and they tend to mask the issues that this team has. But one the second the bats go away, it's a completely different team. They look terrible. They look like they don't know how to play baseball. They can't pitch. They can't make a throw to first base. That all gets amplified when the bats go cold. It's crazy how things can just fall apart so quick. Like you just said, we're in that six-game win streak. We knew it was going to fall off, but it's it's crazy. So we had scored 48 runs in six games, dating back to the, the start of the Yankees series, those three games, and then three games into the Twins series. Those six games, that six-game winning streak, we scored 48 runs. And then immediately after that, right when we get shut out by Joe Ryan, we score nine runs in the five games after that. So we go from 48 in six to nine in five. That shows how streaky this offense is. And then last night we lose 10 to one to the Marlins. That game was just not not fun to watch at all. Garrett Whitlock got lit up. We'll talk about that. But I don't know why this team is so streaky. Because if you look at their stats, they'll be really good in some areas and really bad in some other areas. Like you look at their offense and... All in all, throughout the whole year, when you average everything together, they've been pretty good. They've been in the upper part of the league in terms of offensive numbers, but it's because, what I just said, like they'll score 48 runs and then 9. Like They'll have these really big games where like they score 15 runs against the Yankees, and then they get shut out. It's so streaky, and I don't know what the solution is to that. Well, a lot of it is self-inflicted because, uh, especially with the rotation being as thin as it is and the bullpen really having no depth there, They've had to go with openers, and that is such a handcuff, especially in that twin series, because you take the first two games, you blow them out, you're feeling good, but you know that you have to win the third game because you're not winning the fourth. They totally punted on that game. Because you got Caleb Ort out there on the mound opening it up, uh, which he did again tonight. Yeah, that's no good. It's it's a depth problem, really. Like When you, when you don't have a, a set starter going that fourth game of the series or 
today, the second game in the series, it, it really hurts your confidence as a team. Um, but it is more than that too, because like you will have good pitchers. This was a problem a few weeks ago where you have a great pitcher like Paxton or Bayo or Whitlock, whoever was throwing, throws a gem, seven innings, one run, whatever. And then the offense is just dead. So even when you do have a reliable starter out there, they're just not scoring runs. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. It's just, they're so unpredictable and unreliable. And that really is why they landed at 500 because it's the, it averages out. It's the, um, what's that thing of the means? Like the law of averages, law of averages. There you go. Um, it's that like when you have these games where you're way up here scoring a ton of runs and then you have these games where you're way down here scoring no runs, it averages out to the middle. Here you are in the middle. Um, if you dive into some of the players, it makes sense too. Because I feel like everyone on this team embodies a 500 team. Like, Rafael Devers right now is supposed to be your star, and he's not even, he's having one of his worst seasons. It's still good, but it's not a Rafael Devers season. Um, and so outside of him, Masataki Yoshida's been incredible, yes. But everyone, like, Adam Duvall has not been nearly as good as he was to start the season. He's not really been productive at all. Um, Tristan Casas is finally heating up and, and he's actually playing great, but he was not good to start the season. It's you look up and down this team, especially the depth. It's just mid players. Like it, it's no one that really like you look at a team like uh, the Reds who are surging right now. They have Ellie De La Cruz. He is a star stud flashy player. Braves have Acuna. He's probably going to win the MVP. Who do the Red Sox have? It's supposed to be Devers, but he's not playing like that guy. So there's no one who's really standing out in my eyes. They sit Yoshida against lefties. He's not even playing every day right now. And the thing with Devers is, you know, he's supposed to be our MVP player. And the thing is, I mean, pre-All-Star break, he's got 18 home runs. He's got 60 RBIs. I think he's got 19. He homered tonight. Did he homer? Yeah. He's got 19. Um, And that's still not doing it. And that just tells you that he's the only person that's going to be able to produce. And when he's the only one producing, he can't drive-in runs like he used to you know he can't make contact with easy pitches and they're not putting him in the right situations he's been playing well for us but it's just it's not enough to put this team where they need to be yeah he's being attacked more because there just isn't as much protection in the lineup you lose his Xander Bogarts and obviously that'll happen and JD Martinez yeah but Devers has actually been a really interesting case this year because his advanced statistics if you look on baseball savant they are almost identical to last year so it is a mix of unlucky as to why that average is lower and in turn the obp but it's to a point now where devers has to come through in every situation with the way this team goes especially when the offense gets cold it always you we always seem to get devers up with runners on and it's baseball you're not going to drive them in every time but it gets amplified once again because there isn't someone behind him who can pick up the slack when he needs it. Like every MVP caliber player needs someone to help out, whether it be Acuna with that Braves lineup or Ellie De La Cruz, he's Joey Votto, he's that entire Reds lineup. It's something in baseball you can't just rely on one player. Baseball is not a one-player sport. You look at the Angels, Trout and Otani, they can only do so much. Yeah. It's a nine-man team. You need nine guys who can perform. I think that... There's something to be said about the clutch factor of this team. I know Alex Verdugo had his clutch moments earlier in the season, but we really struggle with runners on base. We really struggle to come through when we need to. Devers is part of that too. Like I feel like whenever Devers needs to have a big hit, 
he doesn't really. I don't know. That's just kind of what I feel like. I don't have stats to back that up. But it feels like they just showed his homer. There was no one on. It was early in the game. Like, yeah, I'll take a solo homer from Devers, of course. But I feel like when there's a big spot, like late in games, eighth inning, runners on, I feel like the Red Sox are just not driving those guys in. Um, I actually do have some stats to show that. The Red Sox have left the fourth most runners in scoring position in Major League Baseball. They average 3.7 per game, 4.18 at home games. So there are stats to show. The Red Sox are bad with runners in scoring position. They're one of the worst teams in the MLB. Clutch is not something that shows on stat sheets. It's not something that you can really evaluate in a player. But it, the problem right now is we don't really have that. Like we have, we have good players, but it just feels like they're not hitting at the right times. It feels like you missed that three-hitter, like yeah. Xander was. And as baseball has progressed, the three-hitter, I think, has become the most important in the lineup because it shifts Devers to two, which I think suits him perfectly, Verdugo at one. And a guy like Just, Justin Turner, he can hit fourth with Yoshida fifth or vice versa. That creates a lot more depth in the lineup as opposed to Justin Turner hitting third and Devers hitting fourth. I just think that's a little backwards. And the results have shown that this year. It's not a single move that they can make, really, because there's not a guy that you can go out and trade for this year that's going to slide in as your three-hitter. Like, I love Rob Center, and I get that he mashes lefties, but he shouldn't be hitting th- third against every lefty. It's a it, tough look. It's a t- Every it's, time we face a, tough a, look, a lefty and, and he's just in there in that three-hole, it's a tough look. Yeah, and it looks worse when the lineup does, does worse, and they go on those cold streaks because... The bottom of the lineup has also been really cold recently. Connor Wong has been, you know, he's not seen it well. He's striking out quite a lot. Reese McGuire goes down. That's huge. That is huge. You have no catching depth. You have no catching depth. Caleb Hamilton, (laughs) this guy is absolutely garbage. I'm sorry, but like he he was hitting sub 200 in AAA. That speaks for itself. Yeah. You can't rely on this guy. It sucks that you don't have Alfaro anymore, but like. The catching tandem was something that worked for the Red Sox this season. It was They could mix and match, and you could rely on Reese McGuire to dump a single in the left field, or you could rely on Connor Wong to have his game where he goes off for a home run and a double. And that's kind of gone now, and you're putting more and more stress on Wong. It's clearly wearing at him at the plate. I think the, uh, the platoon that they had really worked because it managed the workload for those guys. And it's the story of this team. You're putting guys out of position. You're putting guys into workloads that, quite frankly, they're not able to handle. And that's it's a recipe for disaster. And I feel like right now we're right on the edge. Last year, June, June 28th, that was when the season ended. This year it's June 28th, and we're hanging on by a thread. Wow. <laughs> Poetic. Yeah. I know. That was heavy right there. Um, I mean – this game, if they keep playing after this rain delay, this could be the game that, that I don't know, maybe I'm getting well, dramatic. You got I, I me in a dramatic mood that yeah, this is going to make or break the season. I, but I'm looking at the 40-man roster right now. <laughs> it's always the one game. I mean, we're 40-40. We're at 500. Looking at the roster now, if so, so many guys on down. The say, oh, my God. It, it's say injuries. Wong goes down. You're Who, done. <laughs> who's up next? Who's next up? Yeah, Caleb Hamilton... If you if you would have to start him, <laughs> if Caleb Hamilton's our starter, we're done. Cancel yeah. the oh season. But God, season over. Just that why applies. Don't, why don't we just give up? Honestly, that applies for most positions at this point, though. Like, they had Bobby Dahlbeck up the other day, and he was playing first base instead of Casas because it was a lefty. That's stupid. But 
the injuries have killed us. Like, you look at the, who this team was supposed to be going into the season, even before. Like, say that Trevor Story didn't have that offseason surgery yet, and, and you're looking at who this team could be. Um, it's not that team right now at all. Like, losing Chris Sale destroyed the rotation and destroyed a lot because you lose that. He, he was consistent, finally, and he was pitching well, and he's that guy who's been there, done that before. You lose him in the rotation, and you don't have much starting depth at this point anyways because Corey Kluber is abysmal. Nick Pavetta is in the bullpen. Um, and then Tanner Houck gets hurt. So another one of your reliable starters gone. And then you're stuck. We talked about this last, last episode. You're stuck with just Bayo Paxton and, um, Whitlock. Cutter Crawford's been good, but he, he's not supposed to be a starter. He was a guy that was supposed to be in the bullpen. Uh, and, and so you're just kind of, and you don't even have a fifth starter. You have Caleb Ort going out there. You had Brennan Walter the other day. You don't know who's, who's pitching that fifth game. Um, it's just TBD across the schedule for the Red Sox starters. So you lose those guys, and, and you're struggling to find the next guy up because you're just burning through so many. Like you said, we have so many different guys on the IL. Same thing in the bullpen. You have Zach Kelly. You have Jolie Rodriguez. You have John Schreiber. You have all these guys you expected to be in the bullpen hurt. And then you're struggling to find guys to fill that role. Again, you have Justin Garza out there. Uh, you have Brennan Bernardino, who's been good, but he wasn't even on this team to start the season. So when you keep losing all these guys to injury – it's really hard to continue winning games. Yeah, and you've seen that with Josh Winkowski. He was such a yeah. bright spot earlier in the season, and now we're pushing him. You know, he has to go two innings multiple times a week. He's he's eclipsed um, the innings count that he had last year as a starter, and you're asking him to do this on abnormal rest. You're stressing his arm out, and as a result, his stuff has fallen off. The velo is down. His, his spin rate are also down I believe breaking stuff is yeah. not moving as well he's he lacks a put away pitch right now which was something that he didn't have last year either that was why he struggled he couldn't strike guys out but earlier this season he was able to strike guys out and that completely changed who he was as a pitcher you ran him into the ground because you had to he was well because he was your best he was reliever. your best yeah like he, he was when your Chris guy. Martin was down it yeah. was Josh Winkowski every night mm-hmm he was your best high-leverage guy, not named Kenley Jansen. Yep. And you're starting to see the effects of that. And unfortunately, when you know when when that was supposed to come, guys were supposed to be healthy, and they're yeah. still not healthy. And in fact, more have gone down. And you're just you're, you're moving tra- guys to the 60-day. Yeah, you're trading for guys like Taylor Scott, who spells his name wrong. He does. Joe Jacks, Ryan Sheriff. Like, I forgot about. I, him. I actually like Sheriff, but. He's not even on the. Is he on the team right now? He's in the minors. No, I haven't seen him forever. Oh, he's actually injured. Oh, of course. (laughs) In Worcester, (laughs) he's injured. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's awful. One thing on Wink, I just want to read the stats because they're pretty telling. Like like you said, he was one of the best relievers. He was unhittable to start the season. In his last seven games, seven outings, five fifty nine ERA in nine and a third, fourteen hits, only five Ks, a one ninety seven WHIP. You look at his baseball savant, 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 savant. There you go. Uh, It's blue. It is ice cold. His K percentage, he's in the 14th percentile. Fastball spins, 15th percentile. Hard hit percentile is 15th. It's blue across the board. He and and you look at like that little thing that shows like um like the little graph that shows how good he is, or I don't even know what this means honestly. But <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> and I mean that's the thing. Joey touched on it earlier. You're you're putting him in for too long. You're using him too much, and. An arm's going to burn out. That's what I mean, happens. But there's you nothing use, you can do. You you had to do it out of necessity. And the thing is, out of necessity, yeah. 
But at some point, you got to realize that this isn't doing us any good. If we keep using him, overusing him in situations where we may not need him, give him a day of rest, he's going to go down too. And then guess what? We're down another reliever. And you can't afford to have and you that. can't lose another reliever right now because they're all down. Yeah, you were just hoping that guys like Schreiber would come back by the time that the workload started getting too high. Schreiber was transferred to the 60 as well, right? Yeah, but that doesn't make too much of a difference because he has already been on there for so long. Oh, yeah. Like, And Yu Chang was also transferred to the 60, but he was transferred there on day like 58 or 59. Yeah, so that's fine. But yeah, it's just... I don't know. I, I don't know what the solution is because even say some of these guys start coming back from injury, you don't even know. Like, you have a guy come back from injury, you're not going to just throw him out there into the fire every single day. Like, you're still going to need to kind of work them back in. You're not going to have a, a full. I don't think you're going to have the full team that you thought you're going to have this year at any point. They keep talking about when Trevor Story comes back, that's going to save our season. That's going to be make or break. Like, if we're in a spot to compete when Story comes back, we're going to go for it. I have First of all, I don't think you're going to be in that spot. Second of all, I don't think you can count on Trevor Story to save the team. Yeah, that's too much pressure. Trevor Story compiled most of his stats in a two-week stretch last year. And how can you count on Trevor Story to save the team when he's going to be back in the middle of August to yeah. September? Like, yeah, same thing like with last sale. Year, There's it, not enough time. Yeah, we had this conversation last year around, or actually around this time yep. when the team was in dire need of reinforcements, and we said Heim needs to make a trade before the deadline to patch this hole so that we can stay afloat by the deadline. He didn't do it. Team fell apart, and they did that half-ass effort at the deadline. Um, there was there was an article that came out this week that talked about how the clubhouse the morale went down so much when they didn't trade for Carlos Santana at the end of June, beginning of July, because to them, that showed that the, te- that the front office didn't believe in that team. And last year's team on paper, a lot better than this year's team. Um, today is uh, Steve Pierce Day, the day that we traded for Steve Pierce in 2018. So that goes to your point where trading for someone right now could really help us. However, I'm going to say I don't think it's worth it. I don't even think it's worth going for it this I year. I don't think it is either. And who can we give that makes a valuable yeah. enough trade that's going to help out our team? You don't want to lose your prospects when you have a team like this one right now where Adam Duvall is old. You're going to lose him. You're going to lose a lot of veteran guys. Justin Turner, you want those prospects coming up in the organization. You don't want to be trading them right now for another veteran that's just <laughs> losing a prospect. And the whole point of Bloom being here was to build a farm system and get prospects. So it makes no sense. I, I know earlier I said trade prospects. I'm big on that train. I'm not anymore hold on to the prospects because it's not worth it this year. Like they, I don't even think there's anyone who you can trade for out there in the market. That's going to drastically change the outcome of this season. No, but what I I'm getting at is they have no starters. They have no starters on the 40 man. They have guys in the minors that are, that are good starters like Shane Drohan, but they're too young. They're not ready yet. I'm saying you got to trade for someone. You're looking for Andrew Kashner. I'm looking for Kashner. I'm looking for Julius Chance Chassin. <laughs> Garrett Richards? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> but that's the point that you're at. You're. You, it's desperation just trading. Yeah, because more of these guys are going to go down. It's just and you're, bound to happen. I mean, James Paxton, he you, had a knee issue. I, I mean, he said he was going to make his – was today supposed to be his next start? No, no, he will be making When's his, his next, next start? After I, Bayo? After Bayo, yes. Yeah. But still, like you, that, you dodged you, a you, you dodged, dodged a bullet. major bullet because you would have been down to the three man rotation with a stretch thin bullpen with guys like Joe Jackson, who I believe was undrafted. You know, 
yeah. didn't know how to play baseball. That's not true, but, uh, you know, like, it, it's really embarrassing that you've gotten to this point. It's unlucky, yes, but Heim Bloom is the pitching guy. He came from Tampa who just pumps out arms that get effective outs. I'm starting where, to where think did he didn't from? even have that much to do with it. No, I don't think he did either. Uh, yeah, I don't. I think it was more Andrew Friedman, who's now with the Dodgers. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't him. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of out on that whole storyline. Yeah, but on the topic of the trade deadline, I said last night, trade Kenley. Trade Chris Martin. Know, I would keep Chris Martin nah. because he is that... I'd want to keep anyone. Why does it matter? I would keep Chris Martin because I, Martin and Kenley are both under contract for next year. They're I'd both rather like keep the same. Kenley than Martin. I wouldn't. Would because, you though? No, because dude, just every, because of the value of having an actual closer. I think. Chris, I mean, I think Chris Martin. But could close. look at his stats, dude. I He's think Chris Martin's two and a fine four closer. as a closer with like a three point five. No, I think I think Kenley's. A He's good throwing pitcher. one inning a my game. Con, my concern. How can he Kenley, put up the numbers? Kenley Jansen, I feel like, would have more value on the trade market than he Chris absolutely Martin. would. Hundred percent. Yeah, he is an actual closer, and teams value closers a lot higher than mid relievers. Like Chris Martin, I believe, was moved, if not last, I think it was last deadline. He was moved to from the Cubs to, to the, the Dodgers. Dodgers. It wasn't a big trade. Wasn't a big deal. It worked out great because he was really good yeah. down the stretch for them. And too. he's been nothing short of fantastic yeah. this year. I'd trade and him. I, no, I would. I would hang on to him no, because I believe he can. I I believe he could close, but Kenley every time he takes the mound, he's grabbing his knee, he's grabbing his back, he's stretching Dude's out. Dude's old, man. That's he, what happens. He's old and he's broken down. <laughs> and with this Red Sox team, that's not a risk I'm willing to take. Yeah, I don't really know why I'm defending that. You um, you go out and you pitch Kenley Jansen to any any contender on the market, they would take him in a heartbeat. He's got 400 yeah. saves. He's got a history. He has a ring. That's high value. You could get something good out of that. And Along with guys like Adam Duvall, who has not been great since returning, but it's whatever. He's shaking off the rust. That's a guy who could get you something on the market. Not a whole yeah. lot, but it would be something, a, va- a little it something. A, it would be a Vasquez type package where. Well, the we, outfield's too crowded right now, anyways. Like, yeah. trading Duvall well, could the, help us. That's, the, it gives- that's a problem I have with the team right now. Yeah. They have so much outfield depth, so much corner infield depth, and nothing up the middle. Yeah, hold but on. The, let's get let's get back to the trade down in a second. I want to say something about that. How you do have like too many guys in the same positions. Would you rather Adam Duvall go out there, or would you rather get ride it out with Duran? Duran and Duran. really see what he's made of. He's played better than Duvall too. Exactly, but you got to see that over a bigger sample size because you. This is the time that you have to make the decision of whether to stick with him or not. It's a lot of decisions I just don't get. This is why I'm not a it's huge fan. It's a bridge fan. year. You gotta you gotta clear up spots for the young guys. Exactly. This is why I'm not a huge fan of Alex Cora because he's I don't sitting, think it's his fault. He's I do, the one taking I do. shots at the roster. But he yeah, but he's sitting Tristan Casas against lefties. He's sitting Masataki Yoshida and Jaron Duran against lefties because it's the lefty. Tristan Casas should be playing first base almost every day. We had a off day literally did we like two days ago, right? Yeah. Yep. Why is Costas sitting. Why Masataki Yoshida it's, hasn't played in, in a few days, right? It's because Costas is taking a lot of heat for the defense. Justin Turner's not much better defensively. No. He's probably worse defensively at first base. The whole Red Sox organization has been horrendous defensively. The Why defense is, the is hard to watch. Costas so hard. K- Kike got ran out there at shortstop every single day, even though his defense was abysmal. Yet Tristan Costas makes a couple errors and like, oh, you're on the bench. 
I just don't get I, I don't get the thinking behind a lot I, of the I've never seen a worse defensive moves. team in my life. That too. It happens. I don't know it's why. embarrassing. They can't make throws to first base and they can't do they can't do anything right. They can't I mean, do anything you right. go back to that White Sox series. How many times this year have you seen them overthrow a cutoff guy or cut off a ball that actually just has don't a chance of cutoffs. getting a runner? It's unbelievable. Yeah, but when they do, it's when there actually is a play at the plate. They throw behind runners. <laughs> yeah. The instincts are just not there. There's no baseball instincts on this team, and I don't understand it. This team is fielding 982 on the year with 53 errors. Well, yeah. and, Kike, and Kike yeah, has 14 you of them. You can thank him. Okay, I want to say something before I say go off on Kike. Um, to add to that, the Red Sox had the second most errors per game in the MLB. In the whole Major League Baseball. That is the same league where the uh, Oakland Athletics are. Um, it's just... Don't forget the Kansas City Royals. And the Royals, there's just a lot of bad teams out there. And the Red Sox are the second worst in terms of errors. It's unexcus- inexcusable. Um, Kike Hernandez leads the team in errors. I don't know if he still leads the MLB in errors, but he did at one point for sure. He so, still does. Great. He still leads the Major League Baseball in errors. So at least if he's playing out there every day, at least he's hitting, right? No, he's not. He's 30 for 140, which is a 214 average in May and June with 10 walks. 10 walks in two months. His results rank 230th out of 256 batters in that time. His expected results, so maybe he's getting unlucky, right? No. His expected results rank 249 out of 256. That means there's only seven players worse than him. Yeah, he's second percentile ex-WOBA, eighth percentile ex-expected batting average, fourth percentile expected slug. Why is he still playing? He's a fan favorite. That's what... I don't... He's not my favorite. I don't like him. I, I don't either, but you handcuffed yourself, you know? Cora's loyalty to him, you can question it. I think it's getting to the point now where it's ridiculous. It's, but it's tough. Yeah, it's, but now Pablo Reyes goes down. You go back to the injuries. They yeah. had finally they had finally benched him, and guess what? His replacement gets hurt. Like Kike Hernandez is inevitable. He, I don't want to call him Ryan Brazier, but he <laughs> is like Ryan Brazier's shortstop because Yu Chang, they, they commit to him full time and immediately gets hurt. Same with Pablo Reyes. I don't yeah. get it. Yeah, I, I've just, I'm really sick of the whole Kike Hernandez thing. Yeah, it's, well, it's bothered me all season. Uh, yeah, and it, because it has layers to it, it, not, yeah. it's not just keeping a bad player out there. It's the behind the scenes stuff. You know, Cora favors him. We know that, and I think it kind of shows this team how they get in their own way. They play favorites, and sometimes they forget about the product on the field. That indicates to me that there needs to be a shakeup and yeah. a massive one at that. I don't know. I, well, it, go ahead. The thing with Kike too is, you know, you said he had ten walks in May and June. He had he has twenty walks on the year, so he had ten in April. He has fifty five strikeouts. He's just he's too antsy at the plate. He's swinging at everything. He's not looking at balls. He's just he needs to prove that he can hit, and he can't. So he's swinging at everything, and he's striking out, and he's probably swinging pitches out of the zone. That's why he's not walking. This team loves striking out with runners in scoring position. They really do. There will be a leadoff double. You'll get strikeout, strikeout, flyout. Oh, my God, yeah. I've seen it a thousand times. Jaron Duran hits like a a double immediately. So you got a guy in scoring position with no outs 
and he doesn't come home. Yeah. Um, another thing, and Kike, though, I don't know. That's philosophical, though. That goes back is. to the coaching staff as well. This is this is what happened last year. Remember last year when they started the season? Re- remember that when they swung at literally every pitch? They saw the least pitches. It's like in me playing MLB the show. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's it's awful, dude. A, I get, get Pete. Pete Fatsy out of here. Yeah, there's that a is pro- the worst there's a, hitting there's coach There's a proving league. track record with this stuff. Because they have guys on this team who are patient. That was the whole narrative of the offseason. You yeah. brought in Yoshida and Turner, guys who are going to fix the problem from last year, see some pitches, work counts, which they've done. But and, and when the offense goes well, it translates through the lineup. But the second someone goes into a slump, they get antsy. Like Kike, he's swinging at everything, front hip flies open can't hit anything well i think that could go back to what we were talking about before how we don't really have like a big name set three hitter like you have Raphael devers but then you don't have that guy who is like a, a presence in the lineup so everyone's trying to be that everyone's yeah. trying to do hitting. too much and be that guy when they're just not and they and they shouldn't try to be hitting's contagious you need guys to set the tone set the table yeah. that's what that's what we did so well in years past with our big boppers like jd Xander, Devers. man, I miss JD. It's so hard seeing him going off in yeah, LA when we're you, in this. You position. know he wouldn't be oh, doing no, this here. No shot. He'd probably be hitting like he'd be doing 12. the same thing this as is, last it's year. It's the same thing as Evaldi. Yeah, they just, they just don't do it in Boston. They'll do it anywhere else, but they won't do it in Boston. So why does that go back to the coaching staff? I feel like that plays yes. a role. I yes, think you might have mentioned it earlier too, though. I think it might be something with the front office. I mean, these players know that this front office yeah. doesn't believe in them. Definitely. That was a big Why problem play last them? year. Why that play for them if the front office doesn't believe? Really, the whole time Heim Bloom's been here, that's been a problem. Yeah, there's a the times that this team has been good or has needed help, he hasn't pulled his weight. You know, to him, he might be doing the right thing, but the image that he sends to the clubhouse is clearly wrong. There is a huge disconnect. In 2021, they desperately needed help. They needed pitching, and they go out and they get Hansel Robles. To his credit, he <laughs> pitched well, right? But for what, a little bit. Yeah, but what does that send? What message does that send to the clubhouse when you trade for this middling reliever who's, you know, halfway DFA'd at the time? It doesn't say anything. It says we don't believe in you. Here's another arm just to sit out there in the bullpen. Yeah. There's always that disconnect has always been present, and there were talks if the Red Sox did blow that lead in 21 and miss the playoffs, <laughs> like. That was the beginning of Heim's job being called into question, and it got covered up by a hot stretch in the playoffs, a lucky one at that. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm Like, that's the only thing that holds Heim here right now is that they did make an ALCS. Yeah, if that didn't happen, if that was another, like... Just about everything went their way that year. If that was another third, fourth place, fifth place finish, and you look at his his resume in Boston... And that was only year, what? Terrible. That was his second Second full year. year. Second full year. Um, but yeah, I talked about this last episode, 2020, 2022, and it's looking like 2023, you missed the playoffs three out of the four years here, get out, leave, out of here. Something, As, something's he's not working. He's on screen right now as yeah. we're talking about this too, yeah, which is well, just infuriating. I watched that last night and it made me want to rip <laughs> my hair out because what it does, is it's him giving the same spiel he would be a fantastic politician because he says I a lot. I said that immediately when yes. we first hired him. He says a lot without saying anything anything yeah it sounds like he's saying something super smart and like oh this guy knows what he's doing i have faith in him to save the team but he's really saying nothing he's doing nothing productive to actually help anything he's just saying words to sound all smart and like he knows what he's doing no he's a fantastic pr guy 
from a team Hire standpoint. Hire him to be the director of PR. Get him out of the baseball operations front office. Like, I, I'm fully on board the fire Heim Bloom, fire Alex Cora train. I think you should just clean house, clean it all out. Clean out the whole coaching staff, the whole dugout of coaches. Uh, Dave Bush, out of here. Pete Fatsy, out of here. I don't even know who our bench coach is. Out of here. I, I think that just kind of setting up a whole new cast of fresh faces and a fresh coaching staff could really help this team. Same with the front office. Because um, what what they've done this season and the past seasons, like, like you said, it's just a disconnect. They're not in tune with the players and they're not even in tune with themselves. The front office is not in tune with the guys down in the dugout, the managerial staff. That's been a problem we talked about with Alex Cora calling out the roster construction. It's a huge issue up and down the organization, and I, I just don't see a way how both Heim Bloom and Alex Cora make it out of this season with jobs. Like I feel like whether it's by the end of the season or in the offseason, one of them's going. I really hope it's both. I said it before, if you put Alex Cora in the front office, great, but I don't think either of them should be in the roles they're in right now. I I personally think, I agree, Bloom should be gone. If you miss the playoffs, like you said, 75% of your career in Boston, what are you doing here? Well, it's also because you have good players but, in that time, too. Like It's not like you're true, just a terrible team. True, but I think if Alex Cora can pick himself up by his bootstraps for the rest of the year... And put together lineups that can play the game and can actually compete to get us wins. And we can put together a stretch. Maybe we still miss the playoffs. I don't think that he should be gone. Well, I, I don't think he cares anymore. I really yeah, don't. I think that's part of it. But, I mean, I, I definitely agree that Alex Cora has probably more job security. Uh, I mean, ownership begged to have him back when he had that suspension thing with the Astros and they still hired him back that shows that they have a lot of faith in him and they really like him as the manager I don't think they're nearly as connected to Heim Bloom as they are Cora so if I'm picking one that's probably gonna go it's gonna be Heim I don't think that they'd hold on to Heim but not Cora um but I, I agree Joey like I just feel like Alex Cora isn't fully invested. That could have something to do with the roster construction for sure. I think he's like, all right, you gave me these garbage players. I'm not going to try that hard because I can't do much with this. This is not the... the he's been um, put in a position where his hands are tied. Yeah, it's not the arsenal that he like tonight, can use to What What is win. he supposed to do? Yeah. He, does, he does not have starting pitchers on the roster. Yeah, you and have I, no option. It's no, got to be Orton. And who else is going to start? I, honestly, like, d- did he start or as kind of an FU? Yeah. Because it's embarrassing, and I think openers, I I, I <laughs> stupid openers I are so openers stupid. So much to to everyone out there, do not go to those games. Do not spend your money. Don't go to Fenway and spend your money on seventeen dollar beers. I was go literally gonna games. go to the game tonight, but then I, was I saw too. Caleb Ort was starting. I was like, no, nah, never mind. <laughs> yeah, and, my, my dad and to and I Tampa were Bay Wednesday, Thursday. Wednesday was a bullpen day. Thursday's bail day. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, Dad, we're not going tonight. <laughs> Why is that? We're not going tonight. Yeah, and but, to Tampa Bay. F you for starting this whole opener thing I'm glad to begin that, with. I hate Tampa. I, I'm glad that it's run its course league-wide because there were, there were other teams dabbling in it the past couple of years, but it's been abandoned for the most part. They realize that it's absolutely stupid. Well, now it's just bad teams who have no other option. Yeah, like us. exactly. <laughs> like it, us. It's a desperation yeah. move. And I think from a club standpoint, I think the tickets should be discounted, vouchers should be given out, refunds. All that stuff. <laughs> they start an opener and they get a refund. No, I, I, I'm. Ser- 
I'm serious. We should, it's a we should start a movement. Fund. This team sucks. Give us our money back. Yeah, you want to do like a GoFundMe or something? Well, it's Ooh. something. It's something that happened in the Premier League. <laughs> Tottenham refunded their fans because the pro they had a game where it was so embarrassing that they said we are not letting you guys pay for your ticket you Bro, can have it back <laughs> there is no way that john henry john ever open up his wall and be like you guys can have your money back yeah take the money back no but <laughs> why true, why on earth would you how can you justify charging full price to people to show up to your stadium and spend three figures on food and concessions and Literally. merchandise it's you'd you. Have you to cannot be justify that to see Caleb Ort pitch in the first inning, the second inning, and then you see a game of Tetris be played on the mound, bringing in Justin Garza's, Joe Jacks, all of those guys. It's not a quality product. It's not an acceptable product, and fans should not stand for it. You might as well I mean, go to a Woo Sox game. You'll get better players, cheaper tickets, cheaper food. It'll be a better experience. At least today, I mean, they tried to make an effort. You put Ord in there for two two innings, and then you put in Pavetta as a long-term reliever. But, like, why not just start him? Yeah, I and, don't really understand. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't understood that, really, because, like, if Nick Pavetta is going to pitch four innings anyways, why is just it in the middle? Him. Why not? St- I don't know. I've, that's the whole thing with the opener. I've never understood it. Like, I get you want to go through the, the top – three to six of the lineup with your best pitcher but Caleb Ort's not your best He's pitcher not. like when uh, like the the first concept of the opener that the Rays were doing weren't they starting like one of their better relievers as the opener like wasn't that the yeah, whole thing they started it was I believe Sergio Romo. Romo yeah yeah who was a good reliever you start him you get through the the top best three in the lineup that think, makes sense I but. think they opened with Kittredge a couple times too yeah whatever we're doing now is not what they <laughs> intended the opener to be um, it's just no, a throwaway it, it's game. It's desperation. Yeah. And when you throw away games like that, you put yourself at such a disadvantage. Going back to that twin series, when that fourth game is started by Caleb Orr, and you know that that's coming, you know you're not going to win that game. Or it's no. a, there's a very low chance that you win that game. So that makes the third game of that twin series so much more important. Because if it's a regular rotation, you drop the third game, they got walked off on. It was tough. You're like, oh, well, we'll get them tomorrow. But nope. you know when that happens, you're like, ah, shoot, we blew our chance at winning a series here because we are at such a disadvantage tomorrow. You basically start the game down 3 nothing. Yeah, you do. I. It, it seems like another thing with the Red Sox, too, is when they have like a bad loss or a bad moment, it stays in their head or something because they always end up kind of falling apart after that. Like you're talking about that twin series, first game they win nine to three, second game ten to four, then they lose uh, four to five on that walk off from the Twins. That's where it snowballs. Next day you get shut out, and that's it's the, the same opener thing day. with the White Sox series. They exactly. fight back in the ninth inning. That was gritty that they tied it, but once again they leave the bases loaded against a pitcher who was imploding. Yeah, and to, you gotta just to, shake to it come off. Out, I, yeah, but to escape that with one run is disappointing. And I told you the second Casas made that error with two outs, I said this is gonna score. It did, and that set the tone for the for the rubber match of the series, which is an important game. They came out flat. They never showed any signs of winning it. And I feel like this team, they have to score early if they want to win games. If they don't, if they go the first three innings without scoring, they're probably only going to score one, two runs for the game. But in the in the nights where they go off, you know they they get going in the first inning. First, 
First inning, they score one. Second inning, they score three. It's 4 nothing. Boom. You're coasting through the rest of the game. Yeah. And those games, it also gives them confidence. Those are the games where they go on those streaks of 48 runs in six games. Yeah, that's those where the are, hitting becomes Those contagious. are where you see your guys cruising, and you say, all right, these guys are at the plate. They're putting up hits. They're putting up numbers. Why don't I do the same thing? And then the whole lineup's grooving. That's how it works. I mean, baseball is a streaky game, but you can't go up and then go down as hard as this team does. Yeah. It's what a 500 team is. Exactly. To and what you were saying, Will, real quick, um, that's what happened is they had that game against the Rockies, the finale. They scored five runs in the seventh. They made a late inning comeback. They rolled from there. That started the six-game win streak. They scored 15 in the next game against the Yankees. It, they are so dependent on what happens the night before. It's unbelievable. It's good in some ways like that, but then it's bad in other ways like what happened in the Twins and White Sox series. Like it's just you can't play baseball like that. I know it's easy for me to say sitting here in my house talking on a podcast and not out there playing, but it, it just seems like with veteran guys like Justin Turner, Adam Duvall, and all these these leaders on the team, it feels like they should have a better mentality to go out and kind of have a short memory of what happened the night before. Agreed. Here's and that's why it comes thing. back to the coaching staff real quick. That's why it comes back to the coaching staff. Here's another thing. I'm seeing something about Trevor Story saying that his velocity at times throwing from shortstop is his best since 2019. Just be careful. <laughs> no, like Just, I, I'm kind of tired of the Kool-Aid that they're trying to give us about Trevor Story. It's been the same thing for years now. Oh, getting Chris Hill at the deadline is like... Every year, it's someone. It's, it's like trading for an ace. It's the same yeah. thing. Shut up. That's what <laughs> I have up. to say about it. Like, I don't care that Trevor Story is throwing the ball well from shortstop. You shouldn't be in a position where, you know, you think that your season hinges on this. It's stupid. And they do it year after year with whoever is hurt. They're saying, oh, we're getting him back at the deadline. It's like trading for an all-star. But that goes back to Nesson, too. I brought this up. Nesson... They've stopped holding players accountable these John days. John Henry propaganda. That's what it is. That's yeah. what happens when your team owns the television network. But it's <laughs> kind of ridiculous in the booth where there are these absolutely ridiculous plays, embarrassing plays being made, and the broadcasters turn a blind eye to it. I love Kevin Euclid, but and he's such a very happy-go-lucky guy. He's Mr. Positive. He can't say anything wrong. That's just his personality. It's not working right now because on that stupid in little league home run that they gave up against the Rays, Dave O'Brien goes, ugh. And <laughs> Kevin Euclid is like, so who's the error charged to in this scenario? I miss Jerry Remy so much because he wasn't afraid to be critical of players. Oh, and X. Give and a little X. analysis. He wasn't, he wasn't afraid to tell. to Tell it how it is. Tell it how it is Call to him the fans out. at home. Eck did it too. Eck, Eck had no problem saying this guy's throwing slop or this guy's getting his lunch. <laughs> yeah. there, And I think that's important in broadcasting. It can't just be all daisies and roses and whatever, sunshine and rainbows. Like, you have to be critical of players when they're being critical. This is Boston. We're the most critical. Yeah, where's Tony Maz? Why well, isn't he in the booth? <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing you were saying. I mean, we... The team owns the network. You're, yeah, but it's you're babying the fans. It's frustrating to see the guys on that network really sugarcoat things when it's obvious when you're watching that that 
Things aren't acceptable. It ain't Respect, that good. Shout out to TC. TC usually he tells, tells it how it is. He does tell it how it he's, is. He's got tenure, so that's why. <laughs> he can but, do whatever he wants. Yeah. He told us that. <laughs> yeah. But it's really annoying because the last thing I want to hear after a stupid play or an idiotic mistake is guys trying to sugarcoat it. Like, oh, that ball was hit hard. These are major league players. They should make that play. Yeah. I mean, uh, similar theme in the post-game press conferences. I feel like they've all been a carbon copy of each other. It's just Alex Gore being like, yeah, we have to execute he's better. He's dejected. Yeah, he's just sad. He's, he's one like, foot out the door. He's like, do you remember that Dust Majora interview from years ago where he's like, bro, I don't know. I just want to go home. Or yeah. like, can I go home now? That's how I feel like Alex Gore is every night. He's like, I don't want to answer these. Can I just go home? Like, are we good? He always says, are we good? And he just wants to get out of there as fast as possible because he's just, there's, I mean, there, to be fair, there's nothing for him to say. I mean, like, yeah, what answers does he have? It's, it's what the answers team is can bad. he have? Same they can't play defense. It's the, it's the same thing every single night. Same thing as last year. It's they're not playing defense. They're not hitting when they need to be. They're not executing uh, pitches when they need to. It's just bad baseball all across the board. But not bad all the time. It's streaky. And so there's nothing you can say other than just kind of ride the waves. Um, and again, with Alex Cora, he can't do much with bad roster construction. So that's another reason why he's dejected is he can't do much. He We we said it. He was kind of dealt a bad hand. Um, yeah. There, well, there's looking down the road, looking down the rest of this season. Yeah, is there's, there hope? There's, is there a bright there's, spot? There's nothing, nothing that you can turn to that will give you that hope because – they're going to sell at the deadline, or they should. They probably and, won't because they're they, stupid. They won't. They, <laughs> they should, should, and they won't. James Paxton should be traded. Chris Martin or Kenley Jan should be traded. Adam Duvall should be traded. Kike, if he has any value at all, should be traded. No value. Probably not. I don't know. Who knows? There could worst, be someone out worst there. Worst defensive player in the league, what value Trade is Trade him for like a 19-year-old uh, random minor leaguer. Not 19, or like 27. I don't care. Trade well, him for someone. You're going to have to play Anything the game Kike. where you're – where you sell these guys off and you have to match salaries like if you if you trade someone like Kenley and Duval you have a chance and Paxton you have a chance to bring in guys that are good and major trading James ready. Paxton could get you a lot of good yeah, return you but could, the thing with trading Kenley is the window's closing i mean he is so old <laughs> how much value can we really get he, back no, from him he has value because, he ha no he has value because he has control that's what gms care about these days yeah it doesn't matter that kenley's 37 38 whatever he is it's you get a bona fide closer a guy who's been there and done it plus you get him for the year after what's that's what, the value what i'm asking is like what's one year of a bona fide closer versus a prospect who's 19, 20 years old and has 10 to 15 years left in the league. Well, I wouldn't – It's a, so when you sell off guys like this, the Red Sox shouldn't be bringing in 18 or 19-year-olds. It should be guys – Closer at, to being ready. It should be guys at AAA who the team that they're trading to has a logjam at a position that's holding them out of the majors. Yeah. So, Well, even, even if it's not that, like just a team that they're setting themselves up to win the World Series this year, and yeah. they need a guy and like Kenley Jansen at the back end of the bullpen. Yeah, but and so it, they give up a younger prospect. Yeah, but it should be guys that realistically should be playing either this year or next year. Right. Like uh, to put it in like Red Sox perspective, it shouldn't be um, like a Marcelo Mayer. It should be more of like a a Emmanuel Valdez, but better, hopefully. Like, yeah. <laughs> I I like Honestly, the example that was brought up this week. Love a Marcelo Meyer type player, considering he's batting 170 in double A. He's, he's, right he's, he's really he's talented. He's, 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 he's the future <laughs> of our team. 
That's what they yeah. fed us. It's, yeah. it's the future. Well, he looks like a ball player. He looks like a dude. He's going to be does. a guy. Uh, let me tell you. He's got drip. He passes the eye test. Uh, he's got a sweet swing, too. Um, if you want to go out there and watch this Red Sox team play, be my guest. Uh, but if you do, use SeatGeek because SeatGeek is the best p- ticket provider out there for all sports. Woo, going too fast. Concerts, shows, and more. They make buying tickets easy by grading every ticket price so you know you're getting the best deal. And they provide a view from your seat so you can pick the perfect seats to any event. You can watch Caleb Ort open a game in the perfect seats. And you can get $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek by using the promo code DUGOUT. D-U-G-O-U-T. Go watch the Sea Dogs. They're fun. I think I said that last week, too. They're fun. Yeah. Speaking of minor league baseball, low, low, low level baseball. See what Alec Manoa did. (laughs) Just beautiful, beautiful stuff. 2.2, 11 earned. That's just a line you want to see. <laughs> Blue Jays ace Alec Manoa <laughs> against sixteen-year-olds <laughs> in, ro- in rookie ball, Florida Complex League, gives up eleven runs in two and two thirds. <laughs> That's good to see. That's funny. He talked. To, I mean, this what was is, that line he said? He's like, pressure is something you have in your tires. Looks like yeah, the pressure this, got to him. Hey, this is the biggest. You know, this is karma for cursing out Bobby and Franchi last year. Yeah, it and is. Being a POS, it's so cocky. This is the biggest fall off a cliff I've ever seen from a major league starter. It's you it's can't bad. go from being an a bona fide ace. He, he was the Blue Jays. What did he finish? Top three Cy Young. Yeah, he might have yeah. finished he was second. Unreal. And <laughs> <laughs> he can't he can't throw an inning well, without they, giving they, up five they think runs. It's the pitch clock because he's fat. You know he might be. Well, they real said tired. it. They said it before the year that he could be a guy who takes a step back because the lack of cardio skills. <laughs> that's that's a theory. Um, well, it's certainly proven itself. Maybe right now. you got to dive into the advanced analytics there. Like, how are the the bigger players doing with the pitch clock? I believe they're not doing well because Lance Lynn has also been bad, and Lance Lynn's kind of Lance wow. Lynn's kind of. Sh- Shaky Imagine. the past couple of years. I would love, Are we on to something here? I would love to see CC in today's game. CC's thin now. He's no, in shape. No, but like, like, like playing Like vintage CC. Yeah. Fun fact, who do you think is the third longest tenured player on the Red Sox 40-man roster? Not on the Red Sox. Third? Who was... On the 40? In terms of the date added to the 40-man roster, who's been there the third longest? Is it Bobby Dahlbeck? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Who's number one? Devers? No. Verdugo? No. Devers is two. Sale. Yeah, Sale. And then, yeah, Devers. Bobby Dahlbeck. Verdugo is four. And Pavetta is five. That's funny. Just give Dahlbeck a shot. No. Let him <laughs> let him play. See what he's got. No, no, no. They, uh, they have to don't hide him. Please don't I, do that. You got to hide him in AAA so that he keeps mashing so that there's just a little bit of value. You think he has he, any value? Yes. Do you believe that? Are you lying? 0.01 is value. I mean, he's not wrong On a scale of 1 to 10. All right, you know how, like, in MLB The Show, when you put a guy in, like, the the trade system and it has a little bar? Yes. Is it moving when you put him in? (laughs) Yes. I don't know. Slightly. Some players, you put them in there and it goes the other way. Like you lose value exactly. So that if I don't you think put, we're if losing in, value. If you put in Bobby Dahlbeck and in the parentheses next to his name, it said MLB. It would go red. But if it said Triple uh, A, it goes just a, like, like a like like you can see the sliver of green one pixel. 
That's yeah. value. That is value. That is value. So Bobby Some team would take him. Value. I've always said the Reds would love him. I don't think they want him right now, though. I think no. they're all Why? Set. I think they're good. I would like this Eli De La Cruz. <laughs> this uh, is Ellie. Is that a, is that a guy? E- Eli. Ellie? Eli? Eli? Eli Manning? Eli De La Crumbs. Like, we could trade Ruby Bobby. De La Cruz? Yeah, Ruby De La Cruz. Wait. That's Ruby, Ruby De La Rosa. <laughs> Where's he at? Bring him out here. He was, use, he was in the We need someone like that recently. pitching for us. We, that's like what you said before. We need one of those guys. He's You're just right. a dog. Just, yeah. just need a dog. I was a, a, I was dog a big like fan a of Ruby ERA. You know, sometimes you just have a bad Old outing. Rubby. Two or seven. Rubby. Yeah. Oh, um, anything else we got on the Sox that we uh, want to touch on? They're not. Very they're good. not good. They're not good. No. No. It sucks being a 500 team because if you win a game, you know that you're losing the next night. <laughs> like it's almost it's true. It's almost worse being as mid as they are because you know that you can't get too high anymore. And it's never it's gonna like, change. We won three in a row. This is great, but that means we're gonna lose five of six at some point. So that sucks. You see Derek Jeter's Red Sox jersey that Big Poppy gave him. That yeah. video is hilarious. Yeah. So it's, it's a weird scene. I have a hard time it's just, seeing it's, Jeter on TV. It's a weird scene seeing A Rod, Poppy, and Jeter. and Jeter on the same. Just hanging out, buddies, chilling. Yeah, but like A Rod and Jeter still like don't like. Yeah, each they other still have beef. Much. Well, no one likes either of those guys. Fair. A Rod is like the most unlikable person that exists. But he dated J Lo. Past tense. He lost that. But he's still J Lo. Right. But now who is? The Boston boy, Ben Affleck. Boston right. wins again. You right. <laughs> uh, all right. From Boston. <laughs> I tried to get your cousin from Boston on the podcast. He didn't answer no me. Oh, that would have been electric. I got, I got big leagued by your cousin from Boston. <laughs> what, if, what if you talk to his cousin from Boston? Who, that's a good point. I just nah, his cousin's not from Boston. Reach out He's in the family from- web. Your cousin from Dorchester, from Swamp Scott. <laughs> Your cousin once removed. <laughs> <laughs> My mother's father's sister's brother's he dog's knew a guy. cousin. He knew a guy down at the Packy. <laughs> he met a guy once at the Shaw's. <laughs> Maybe that guy can pitch for yeah. us. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, that'll do it for this, uh, this this episode of the In the Dugout podcast. We'll see you next time. Uh, we'll probably still be at 500 because we'll probably win a few, lose a few. Uh, who knows what's going to happen tonight with this delayed game? A couple more guys uh, might oh, get hurt. It's going to resume. Oh, Breaking we're back. news. Uh, and Winkowski is getting loose. That's not Winkowski. That is Winkowski. Oh, it is? Since when is he number 25? Since this year. Man, didn't know that. Yeah. Go. <laughs> you learn something every day. Go right. Reds. Real quick, what's our analysis for the rest of the game then? Since they're coming back in, in 10 minutes or so. Ah, uh, dang, they lost again. <laughs> yeah, they're going to lose. All right, see you next time on the Indigo Podcast. <laughs>